Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sipple. All right, uh, three, two, one. <laughs> Sipple's ready. Welcome in. It's the Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris. There's Sip. There's Parker. It's 4.08 p.m. on uh, Thursday, March 10th, 2022. We, uh, we're going to hit on some basketball right out of the gate here. I got to go pick up my son from daycare here in a few minutes, so we're going to knock this out. The fellas will talk a little football. They've been immersed in spring ball. I've been immersed in hoops. So let's just get right into it. Nebraska falls at the Big Ten tournament last night to Northwestern, 71-69, led by 15 points, led 50-35 to with 15-28 left in the game. 15 points. Looked great. Looked like they were going to roll into the next round. And then Northwestern threw a zone at them, and it's like they had never seen a zone before. And – the lead was gone in about three minutes. It was a 14-0 run in a little less than three minutes, and then it was a tight game the rest of the way. And we kind of saw – we kind of got the full Nebraska basketball experience, right? Like they played great like they haven't at the end of the year for about the first 25 minutes. In the last 15, they looked like the team that lost 21 games coming in. And we saw it even on the last two – the last two shot attempts, two guards just kind of careening into the lane and bouncing off bodies and not getting up a good shot, and and you lose, and the season's over. So that's where it is. Nebraska finishes 10-22. and 22. Kind of a weird finish. They play so great those last three games. They play great for a half of a game against Northwestern, and then just kind of all falls apart. So at the end of the day, it's a 22-loss season. There's not a whole lot of good you can say about it. But Nebraska at least made it fun for the last couple of weeks, and it was just kind of a disappointing ending. I got, I got a question that you guys can answer, Baz. Yeah, I – I, you know, I didn't wasn't keeping play by play. I watched the game in its entirety. How how long? How many possessions do you think it required Nebraska to adjust to the zone that Collins threw out there? It looked like a three two zone. How how long do you think it took Nebraska to adjust to it? Well, it's a tough, I'm serious. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know if it was. I don't know how many possessions. It was a few minutes. Um, they got pretty stagnant. Um. They finally, and I don't have, I'm going to get the play-by-play pulled up here so I can kind of get an idea. Look, they were at 15. With 15-28 left, they were at 15. They made four field goals the rest of the game. So, yeah, but, they, mean, but, but Northwestern wasn't in the zone the whole rest of the way, were they? No, they weren't. The, the, the Nebraska eventually got them, got them out of the zone. And right. so, but it took, I mean, it was. It, it took, took some a little time. It took, I mean, Northwestern was back in the game by the time. It was a great out. move by Collins. Yeah, it was. They brought in, I forget the kid's name off the bench. And put him at the top of that three-two zone, just kind of a long kid, you know, long yep. arms. And, and Nebraska's had a lot of trouble getting into the middle of it. When they did, they got some, they got some scoring opportunities. Verge hit a floater. I think McGowan's got one in there. But it just took him a while to kind of get into it and get moving and, and get the ball moving around. So, yeah, it definitely took a few minutes. It was a great move by Collins. It was. And and, and um, Hoiberg said as much last night. And they just didn't they didn't adjust fast enough. And with the way it was Northwestern was shooting the ball. You know, coming out of halftime, it it didn't take long for, for him to get back in the game. It was a fascinating study in energy because yeah. Northwestern's energy in the first half was terrible. Was ter- yeah. I thought it was terrible. It looked like there was something wrong. In the second half, it flipped. And you don't always see that. You do see it sometimes in, this, in sports, but it's not – I mean, it's not unheard of. 
But the second half, look from Northwestern standpoint, the energy picked up dramatically. It was weird too, and I tweeted this like coming out of coming out of the locker room. Like Nebraska looked like the more energetic team coming out of the locker room. Like I'm watching them warming up and they're bouncing around, and I was sitting down on Northwestern side, so they were right in front of me and they were quiet. You know, they were just kind of going through the layup line. There wasn't a whole lot of talk. There wasn't a whole lot of clap. And I'm thinking, man, Nebraska might blow their doors off because Northwestern just looked flat coming out of the locker room. Then they hit three or four shots in a row, and all of a sudden the energy's back up. So, I mean, it, it, that was just how quick it turned. I thought it, I thought it was going to be a Nebraska blowout um, early in it when, they, when those teams came out of the locker room. But correct Northwestern, they hit some shots. Nebraska made some mistakes on defense. Uh, their energy on defense dropped. You know, they started – they kind of started reverting back to some old bad habits that they had on both ends of the floor, and, and Northwestern hit shots. And that and that just flipped the whole game those first, you know, those first few minutes of the second half. Okay, now what? When will will Fred address the media at some point soon? Um, um, probably not in a group setting, no. Um, spring breaks next week, of course. Um, they're uh, – we're going to have to he's, – he's been asked about the, the supposed plan and the supposed changes that he will make to the program into the offseason. hasn't really said a whole lot, as, as you would expect. So no, it has to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, he'll talk about it at some point, and certainly we'll ask him about it at some point. But I think it's going to be relatively quiet here, you know, probably through the rest of this week for sure. And then you get into next week, and you might start seeing some of the attrition a little bit, maybe some movement on the coaching staff, whatever it may be. So it, it's coming, but I, I don't see Fred talking about it for, for a little while yet. Parker? It's interesting just, I mean, at halftime, you know, you're thinking like I, – I kept thinking when they won those three straight games, I mean, that's impressive, right? It doesn't matter who you are or what part, part of the season is or what your overall record is, like – it's hard to win three straight games in the Big Ten, period, let alone do it on the road, let alone do it with how bad Nebraska had been up to that point. And I don't know that it would have felt a lot different if they would have won one game and lost to Iowa today or won two games or whatever. But, like, Bez, I mean, what good did it do them to, go, to get hot late in the year at this point when you lose in the first round? They're going to have roster turnover and all that. Like, is there some – is there something to take from that little heater that will last beyond those two weeks? Or does, is it just sort of a flash in the pan for a team that's going to look entirely different again next year? I think that's the question. Cause I kind of did the same thing last year too. Like, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't the same heater, but they played a lot better at the end of the year, you know? And I, I think that more than anything, it raises the question is why don't they do that the whole season? Why are they waiting yeah. until the last two weeks of the year to do it? That's happened the last two years. And again, th- this heater was, way 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 above what they did last year they just played good solid basketball last year for probably the last month and this year for the last month they they started out solid and they just got red hot and so it's it's fun to watch if you're a fan and you know it's fun to watch when you've seen a lot of losses but at the when it gets over and now that you've kind of had some time to think about it you said they're going why in the world were they not doing this the whole year it's the same group of guys essentially without Trey McGowan's of course um, but you also beat Wisconsin without Bryce McGowan. So missing one guy shouldn't make that much of a difference, you wouldn't think. So to me, I, d- I don't know that it makes a huge difference, like you said, with, with roster attrition, with any potential staff changes that may or may not happen, you know, with potential, um, you know, how you play the game, that, that sort of thing, if there's any changes there. So I don't know. I, I just think it raises the question of why why does it take these teams so long to – to get going. I think it comes back to 
your original point, it's roster attrition, right? Like you're resetting every year. Yeah, exactly. And they had, I think there's an obvious better. Yeah, they had a better core this year. I think they returned like 70% of their scoring from last year to this year, but you're still breaking in a lot of guys. Now you're looking at potentially losing at least four starters off of this team, maybe five, and probably a a bench guy or two as well. So you're going to essentially be resetting again for the most part, unless you can, you know, convince Trey McGowan's and Derek Walker to come back and run it back again for another year. So yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it's it's nice, and it shows that you can do it, and it shows those young guys that you can do it. So maybe you take that, and you can you can point to that when you're in the offseason and doing your training, and, and you turn that into a positive. But but from the outside looking in, to me, it's it, it just screams like, where where was this all year? Why did it take so long? You know, if I were a Nebraska fan, just I, I think I'd be – I don't know that it would be a major concern, but a, a bit of a concern to me – would be how much the bar has been lowered where I will hear fans say things like, man, next year, if we, if Nebraska could just get to like seven and 13 in the big 10, I mean, I mean, that's that's a lot of money to pay a guy to in four years, make that minimal progress. And I don't know, I guess. And, you know, then, then, you know, what you always get is, Ah, uh, come on! It, the program's never been successful, which is bullshit. I mean, it's 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 a, that's a bullshit answer. Um, I hate it because they have had success. They've had really good teams in Nebraska that, that got to the NCAA and and didn't do what they should have done. But I, the the lowering of the standard here is 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 a is a concern of mine. I mean, it's it's incredibly low right now. Man, yeah. if Nebraska can just win six in the league next year. <laughs> what are we doing? I mean, <laughs> gives a damn. I mean, I, I watch these teams like Indiana. Indiana, I mean, make a, a, a beautiful comeback today to beat Michigan yeah. and get its yeah, program. In the second half. Yeah, get its program going in the first year of what's it's not a it's not it's not a direct comparison. I get it. Indiana was in a better situation, but um, you see these teams doing what they do, and you. By the way, you see Northwestern. Collins is ten and two against Nebraska. I mean, this is this sort of stuff is ridiculous. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. They've made this. It was has he been there for like seven or eight years, and they made the tournament. This was yeah. this was Collins' seventh year. They made the yeah. tournament once. This was his first Big Ten win since 2017. Uh, last <laughs> night Come in the tournament. I mean, in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, come on. Uh, so yeah, I mean. No, I, I don't disagree with you, Seth. It's just I, I I just don't really know what to think yet until we see what these changes are. You know, I, sure. it's so hard to sure. it's so hard to to know. Like, it, does Dot come back? Does Ab, does Matt Abdel Massey come back? You know, does Armand Gates come back? Do you do you change the way you construct a roster, build a roster? Do you change your recruiting approach? You no, know, there's just so many variables right right now. The day after the season's over. That's hard to say, but it, your 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 original point stands simple. Like seven and thirteen, like oh great, big deal. So you finished tenth in the conference instead of thirteen, you know. And you know if they had done that this year, then maybe okay, you're around five hundred for the season. Sure, sure. You know, it, it's a little different story. But yeah, I, I think it's just it's these next two weeks, three weeks, whatever whatever it takes. Well, not that they'll answer a lot of questions for us, but it'll maybe give us an idea of, of what direction this is going to go. Yeah. And, and it, it, the, yeah. The, the, better assess it. 
the parallels to football go beyond just the fact that Trev Alberts restructured both Fred Hoiberg and Scott Frost contracts, right? I mean, the thing that was weird about thinking about Scott Frost when he said he knew he needed to make changes, part of that conversation is like, the further you venture from the core of how you've done things, the, on the one hand, the more it's going to seem like, wow, he's really embracing change. Wow, he's really willing to examine this and maybe do something really different. But also, the more you're going to be likely to say, like, wait a second, so you're just going to change everything? Yeah. Like, what, how is that going to reset this now? Yeah. How's that going to work? How's that going to work? So you're right. just going to go away from everything or a lot of oh, things that's a great done point. before. And that's like, that's fans are going to say, Hey, this is great. Fred's going to play a different way. Maybe he's going to build a roster a different way. He's going to recruit a little differently. All this, just like frost, you know, revamp his entire offensive staff, found a guy to call the play. He's going to be more of a CEO. Like the bigger the change, the more fans on the face are going to be willing to say like, wow, Hey, look, he's really going for it. But at the same time, like what have we been saying all along about football? No matter what, no matter how good the coaches are you hire, no matter how solid the idea is, still feels a little bit like a long shot that you're actually going to pull it off in one offseason and just have it take off. So it's sort of a – it's not exactly a catch-22, but it's a tough spot to be. You're asking a coach who's done things one way to, like, totally re-engineer it and have it work right away. I'll say this. It's it's easier to do it in basketball than football. Um, Probably true, yeah. You you don't need – 30 guys in basketball, you need five or six and you need the right mix of five or six. And, you know, I I don't, I don't think you're going to see Nebraska on the court look dramatically different stylistically. They're still going to play up tempo. I think they're still going to want to space the floor, shoot threes because that's what Fred's always done. And it's worked at this level. And and it, it, look, it worked pretty damn good. Those last three games when they won three on the road, two of them against ranked teams, you know, so this, the system, the actual basketball part of it, I think, can work. But you've got, I think, I think where you're going to see the major changes are they, they've got to, they've got to do something about the how they how they build the roster to have more continuity, and and you, that's where it starts. I think it, it may not look exactly the same as as what Frost has done, where it's just these massive changes up and down the board, and, and it, it looks totally different from that standpoint. I think there will be changes, but. I think you just have to – you have to take a really hard look at, at everything. Like, and it's like Trev said, what they're doing isn't working. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for three years. So you've got to do something. Different. Yeah, I would be – yeah, I've said it before. I don't mind saying it. I'll be shocked if Matt Abdelmasi's back, and I'll be shocked if Bryce McGowan's is back. I'll, I, I will be shocked. Well, yeah, That's I don't think just, anybody – yeah, I don't, that, I, don't, I don't think anybody expects Bryce McGowan's to be back. Like, and that's that's kind of been – pretty clear for most of the year. I think, yes. I, I think most of us are operating under that assumption. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, the coaching staff stuff will look like and, and whether that's Fred sitting down with Matt and saying, Hey, we need to, we need to approach this a different way. You know, I, I, I just don't know how that will look. I don't know. I don't want to speculate because I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. So yeah, it's, it's just so hard to kind of get your, get your head around right now. And then if Nebraska had finished the year with three straight losses and gone up there and flamed out, you know, it's, it doesn't maybe change a whole lot, but it, it's, it, it at least makes it maybe a little less kind of bizarre to look at than, than the way they did it, just playing so yeah. well, those, those last three games and, and playing so well for 25 minutes last night. I just don't think Fred Hoiberg right now 
even if he didn't want to make changes, I just don't think he could legitimately go to the fan base essentially and say, I'm keeping everything the same. I don't, I just no, don't you can't do that. Can. Yeah. No, yeah, you can't. And, and Parker, Parker's heard it, as you've heard it, his boss has said, you know, he, Trev Alberts is big on this notion of if you're not, if you're not winning, you just can't keep doing the same things and expect different results. So Fred will have to change. He'll have to make, I'd say, significant changes to appease his boss. But I think just as importantly, to show the fan base that he's doing something. I mean, how much patience can you ask for? I mean, yeah, the same question applies to Frost. Now, he made major changes, though. And he still, now listen, he still doesn't have much time. We all agree that Frost has to get it going quick. Yeah. Um, the runway for Frost is short. Now, will it be that way for Fred next year? I imagine it will be. I, I, I think, think Fred, Fred's got to make a big jump next year. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I hate to cut this short because it's good talk, but I got I got to run. So okay. I'm gonna thank you. I'll Bass. turn it over to you guys. We'll, we'll we'll touch more on this next week. Maybe we'll know a little more then. But and at that point, I'll just turn it over to you guys now. All right, say all hi right. to featured podcast guest uh, Palmer for us. We'll do. Yeah, we miss Palmer on this one. He misses you guys too terribly. All right, God bless you. Welcome home. Welcome home. Yes. Yeah. Do you want? Please. Is there any? I mean, do you want to? You want to tie a bow on the hoops conversation? Simple. I mean, it's sort well, of. how about? Yeah, yeah. We can tie a bow on it. Um, I, I, I wondered if I thought. See, now I will tell you this, Parker. I thought Nebraska would make a run at it. I was surprised by the result. I was really surprised by that result last yesterday. I thought Nebraska would win the game by ten plus. Yeah. And at halftime, well, 15 minutes left, I felt pretty good. And I just, I, I'm still a little, a little bit startled that they couldn't hammer home that win. Yeah, know? I told, I told you before, you know, yesterday when we were at football availability Six. before the game that, that I thought Northwestern would win. But man, I mean, the way Nebraska played early on, you're like, you've seen it enough times this year where they, they play good for a while or even more than like playing a good stretch of basketball for a while. It's sort of the flip side of like, you've seen those just go into these like cataclysmic periods of six or eight or 10 minutes. And so even at halftime, that's sort of floating in the back of your mind, like, but it didn't look like it was going to happen. No, but nobody no, did. said, Oh, it looks no like indication. No, no indication. It wasn't. And they were playing really good and they were making shots and, and verge. You know, I think Alonzo Verge, we talked about this last week, and, and Baz wrote about it as his advance for the game and all of that. But, like, for as much crap as a guy took early in the year, he really played good basketball down the stretch. Um, and it's nine, one of those Last guys, nine games, Parker. Last nine games. Strong. And then la- last night, you look at – I mean, late in the game, you know, when it was tight and when it was back and forth and the ball was in his hands a lot. And, you know, he, he, I'm sure he wants to have the one, the one back uh, where he just put his head down and tried to plow to the rim. But – you know, at one point he was standing at the free throw line. They showed his line, and it was like twenty-one, nine, and seven, or something like that. I was like, man, I mean, that's not—you don't just roll out of bed and do that. Um, you know, in high-level college hoops or high-major college hoops. So, I mean, I think he deserves a lot of credit. It's sort of like if this is an odd, this is a very odd comparison. The situations are really different, but it his late season surge in a way. Um, this is I, this is a very weird. It it, remi- it was a little bit like um, Luke Gifford in my mind. You know how by the end of the twenty eighteen, yeah, yeah. By the end of the twenty eighteen, I don't know if Luke had the the same like 
ups and downs necessarily, but he was emerging to such a degree that you were like, man, if there's one guy you could see play one more year with that defensive coaching staff and think about the jump he could make, that's sort of like Verge. Like, you know, he gave a lot of credit to Nate Lenzer and, and, and the way that he was starting to come on in terms of like playing point guard. You just sort of, I mean, I know he's six years in college and he doesn't have any eligibility left and I'm sure he's maybe ready to go do something else, but you just, he's the guy who you're like, man, it'd be interesting to see what one more year. Well, I thought he was, I mean, there weren't many guards in the league that could, that could stay with him late in the season. I mean, he, he was getting a lot of what he wanted. I don't fault him for the play late where Boo Booey stepped in front of him. It was somewhat predictable. He heads down that rail a lot, you know, on the right side. That's yeah. kind of his go-to. And Boo Booey, I, I wonder if, if you ask Boo Booey, if Boo Booey would say, yeah, I was waiting for it. If, if, I mean, that's, if he, if he, if that play is at all, if there's any inclination of his, to drive. He's probably going to his right hand. He's probably going down that right rail. And it looked like to me, like Bowie was waiting for yeah. it. Yeah. And just, especially here he comes, here he comes. I'm stepping right in front. If you're a good defender, it's probably in your mind in part because you understand how hard the task is for the on ball defender to stay in front of the guy. Like, right. Hey, be on sort of high alert. Cause if this guy puts, you know, he's going to put the ball on the deck and, and he's probably going to go by, the primary defender right so yep. like you need somebody you know he had that presence of mind to say hey look we're gonna need a secondary defender to step in and and, and try to help you know yeah, if you watch the play boo booey was pretty he was he was on it all he had to do was take a couple steps to his right and take the charge it yeah, it's pretty amazing. Easy. i mean that's the margin right in the big 10 that's the margin i mean on the other end, you had not alert defense going under a screen on, on Bowie. You know, Bryce McGowan's went under a ball screen on Bowie and he canned a three with like three minutes left, I think, that-ish. That was a huge shot in the game. So that's, you know, that that can be the difference between win and losing. Um, a, in March, B, like any given night in the Big Ten. I keep talking. I'm going to put bullet out. Hold on. <laughs> We're down to one. For those of you watching, you oh, right see what's happening. For those of you listening, now I'm awkwardly talking for a minute. Um, so, yeah, that's it. That's it for Nebraska basketball. Um, we'll see sort of where it goes from here. There's interesting decisions ahead for Fred Hoiberg. He's obviously been he's been loyal to Matt Abdelmassi um, his entire career, really, and especially in, in his college career. There's so many similarities, Sipple. Maybe this is a good, like, transition to football. You know, there's a lot of similarities between the situations. I mean, you know, Frost had been really loyal to Mario Produsco, for example. Um, obviously, different roles and all of that. But Frost at one point said that he wouldn't – he didn't – you know, that Produsco would be his, his quarterback's coach as long as he coached. And, and that was a situation they just had to sort of reevaluate and obviously made the change and all of that. And it'll well, be interesting to see how far – Fred Hoiberg is willing to go or feels like he needs to go um, in terms of making change. Well, I would, I now I don't know what you'd say. I don't think these are unilateral decisions. I don't think it's just, we'll see how far Fred decides to go. The He's athletic wrong. director would tell you that they are unilateral decisions. Yeah. His opinion, <laughs> uh, like it matters in this conversation. Yeah. Just like yeah, it did, just like it did in, in, in Scott's situation. Right. 
I mean, he, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, you know, there's gray, there's gray in that conversation, obviously, but, you know, I mean, Fred's going to have to make some changes. That's what, and, and, and in part because his boss is expecting him to, you know. Well, it's sort of the, the part of this, like, if Trev can say, like, that he, it's that that's the coach's choices, but the coaches presented him with a plan that mm-hmm. he either signed off on or didn't sign off. Right. On. Exactly. And so I it's semantics, think, Parker. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the plan would not have been signed off on if it's like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. They are the coach's decisions, but that coach isn't there. If he tells the. I, I mean, I'm, right. I no, hope yeah. I'm not making a too big of a leap here, but if Frost would have, held firm and said, I'm not making any changes. I don't yeah. think Scott Frost is the coach right now. I don't think you're making too big of a lead. Right. Yeah. Well, we're starting to see the, I don't know, C is probably putting it a little bit strong, but we're hearing a lot about the effect of those changes in football, right? Um, we interviewed some of those changes uh, on Wednesday this week over there as we transition to talking about football for the rest of the podcast here, most of the rest of it. Um, Heard from Mark Whipple again, uh, second time this spring. Heard from the quarterbacks, including Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy, uh, the new guys on campus, Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg as well. Simple, uh, obviously, you've talked about this on the radio. We've written a lot about it already. We talked about it on videos that are on journalstar.com. But I guess um, to – I don't know, try to find some, some fresh ground here for the podcast. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, it doesn't, it was interesting listening to Frost talk about the offense. I thought just in terms of like what he's seen so far. And then also like, it's not surprising, but, but Whipple saying like, I just want to not turn the ball over during this scrimmage on Friday. Like first downs and touchdowns would be great, but they're still kind of in the baseline in terms of building what they want to do offensively. Is what, sure. is what it's there's, there's things. Outside. Yeah, there are things we know though. I mean, let's not pretend like there's not. There's a lot we know if you really think about. It. We know that you could say right now that the quarterback situation's crystallizing quite a bit yeah, it is, in my it opinion. Is, yes, correct. With with you would say Casey Thompson is the front runner. You could probably say with with Chubba Purdy not practicing at full go that Logan Smothers would have a leg up for the for the top for you know right behind I don't know right behind but behind Casey Thompson. Chubba Purdy hasn't again hasn't practiced full go. Now he, he says he he expects to be back March 22nd when the team returns from spring break. Heinrich Harburg's in that discussion too, but it's pretty clear that he's, he's behind Logan. Um, So we know that we know that they're going now. I thought it was really significant yesterday, what they said about they're going under center more. Yeah. So, so, so one big change is footwork because these guys have to learn a five-step drop because they're going under center. That's something that's been a big discussion. It's always, it's always a pretty big discussion in a fan in a program in a fan base that doesn't go under center. Now Nebraska with Whipple and his NFL background is going under center. I thought that was big. We know they're moving fast. The tempo they're trying to go with a lot of tempo. Um, Logan Smothers said that. Um, so we know there's stuff we know. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've learned quite a bit actually 
without seeing practice. Right. And that's what we always got to reiterate. We're not seeing anything. We're going off of what people are saying, but we also know they're going to scrimmage tomorrow. And we also know that Casey Thompson said yesterday that they've made enough progress that he almost feels like they could play a game. Now, I now that's I don't know what to think about that. Um, that could Ross be, said the exact opposite at the very okay. outset of his his yeah. News that could be just youthful exuberance, right? I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's uh, Casey. It was, that was interesting though, that he set out of five practices, like three or four of them. He's felt like they were in that kind of, in that kind of rhythm offensively. Um, yeah, it was, I think, it, I think as we were, just as we were getting going with frost, um, uh, Tom Chattel from the world Herald sized up the sides of the media core over there for, for frost and, <laughs> said to Scott as he walked to the podium, who do you play this weekend? And uh, Frost said, Frost said, we don't play anybody this weekend. We're not going to be ready to play anyone for a long time. Um, it's just a quip, I guess, in March. But it is, I mean, one of the things, I, one of the things that I don't know how, I mean, I think you can look at Whipple's uh, history and draw some conclusions on this. Like if Nebraska has people ask a lot about the run pass conversation and there's a sense, I think, especially from the first day of spring ball, when Nick Henrich said he thought that the offense on day one was running the ball downhill more that sort of tripped this uh, excitement in run the ball guy and his friends. But I would temper that a little bit because at every turn, Mark Whipple and Mickey Joseph have said categorically that they're going to throw the ball a lot. And Logan Smothers said yesterday, yeah, we're throwing the ball a lot. And so I think it's interesting because until you see it in action, Sipple, uh, that is that there's going to be a level of consternation among fans, isn't there, on that? Yeah front I mean that I think so yeah yeah I think you know run the ball guy is doesn't know what to think right now which that's okay what I would say and I've I've written it I'll continue to say I'll probably write it again um I think Whipple with his NFL background understands the importance of running the ball frost big theme of last off season was we got to run the ball that this haven't I mean I just don't think you just you coach, if you coach in the Big Ten for four years, I don't think you come away from those four years going, you know what, we're just going to yeah, whip don't. it around. I don't even think we have to run. I mean, yeah. I, I not, I'm not worried about it. And, again, I re- would reiterate, Whipple has a deep NFL background. I mean, he, he knows. He mentioned it yesterday, too. you got to run it in the red zone for sure. you got to be able to run the ball in the red zone, right? Um, he, he said that the fact Parker, the fact they're going to under center indicates that they're going to try to run. Yep. You, you heard his spiel. What part of his spiel was going, going under center helps the running back. Yeah. It helps that downhill game. So, yeah, I would, if people are getting worried about it, I, all I would say is, well, they're, they're practicing under center for the first time. in I don't know how long. Um, yep. So, I mean, Trying to think back to Riley. Yeah, they, did they go under center under Riley? Yeah, but yeah, they Frost, they just, yeah, Frost, they just don't do that. Yeah. Now they do. 
Now they do. They're, they're, that, which tells me almost enough about the running game. It's interesting that that is going to be a very his answer uh, about going under center and sort of the full spectrum of the run game and giving the running backs more uh, more gaps, more avenues um, was really interesting, and I, I I think it's. The, the, the longer this goes, like the further we get into the simple, like you remember, I was thinking about this today, actually. Remember in November when Frost fired the four guys and then we talked to him in the middle of a week, like on a Wednesday or something. And he was talking about why he made the changes he made or fired the guys he fired and what he wanted to see and what he needed. And there was some real skepticism at that point that he would actually turn the keys over offensively. Like, I think that was part of the conversation. Like, well, he's not really going to give up play calling duties, is he? Like, he might say that, but, but like. What have you learned? Yeah, he did. I mean, he really, he really did. Like a lot of the run game stuff, some, well, some of it, especially the stuff out of the gun, like schematically, I think it'll look different. Like we've heard that a little bit, like a lot of, stuff that frost likes in the run game is going to stay in especially some of the quarterback run stuff but i don't think at this point we'll see what it looks like but with all of the things that we've heard so far this spring if i were to guess right now since we haven't actually seen it i'm gonna guess that this is gonna look like a a mark whipple offense more than it looks like scott frost yeah with with whipple running it yeah Yeah, one of the things that's become clear and i think people probably picked up on it but it might it might be okay to mention that you all you you always hear this this coming from players and assistant coaches that Whipple's in charge of the offense. Yeah, yeah. What have you heard from Mickey Joseph, for instance? We want Frost. We hope Frost pokes his head in and gives us input. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. So that indicates to me that there's somebody else in charge, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And Frost, I just think. Go ahead. Yeah, it's become that's become clear. But sometimes things become clear, especially like when you're around it all the time. And I think sometimes it's worth stepping back and acknowledging that in November, I don't think I would have told you, yeah, on March 10th, we're going to be talking about somebody else's offense. Oh, absolutely. I don't think I don't think you would. That would have been a guarantee at all on November 10th. No, I think you have to step back sometimes or a lot. You have to really step back in this market because we talk so much. and there's so much coverage, but I think you're absolutely right. I don't think, I know when Trev, when we were sitting down with Trev in November, what was it, right? November 9th, right mm-hmm. after the changes. And he was talking about this CEO role. Yeah. My first thought was, oh, is Frost really going to, how much is he going to want to step back? Right. Well, it appears he has, he has talked himself about going over to the defense in practice, which he says he didn't do a lot of. He's done it before, but not, he probably had, he can, feels more comfortable doing it now. He talked about going and working with other groups. Um, doesn't have to stay with the offense all the time because why? Because yeah. Whipple is in charge of the offense. Right. I mean, that's it. I mean, I know, no, you're right. I don't think I would have, I don't know that I would have, we could have said that definitively in December or whenever. But now, now it's March, whatever the hell, March 10th. Yeah. And I think you can say Whipple is in charge of the offense. Yeah. 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 I just think that's a bit, I mean, 
I just think it's sort of interesting that it's revealed itself that that clearly. Now Frost is so involved, obviously. Um, He's the head coach. Everything he all the like Mickey said the other day. At the end of the day, any CEO, pretty much any CEO in this world, is the CEO because he makes all the final decisions. Yeah, right. But how can you make all the final decisions on everything if you don't, if you're not plugged in on everything? So that's you know, CEO role probably makes sense. I and I, Parker, I've said it to you in the last couple of years. I'm much more comfortable with the CEO type coach than I am a play caller. Mm-hmm. With a guy like the guy at the Bears, that was always, you know, a lot of guys are like this. They're they're buried in the play sheet. I, I just don't think of them as head coaches. Yeah. The play, the guys who call plays on offense, that have their heads buried. I just it's hard for me to think of them as head coaches. Even though Sean McVay, I think Sean McVay did he call mm-hmm. plays for the World Champion Rams? He seems yeah. to make it work well. Yeah, Brian Day seems to make it work pretty well. Yeah, guys, guys do. Well, we'll see about Ryan Day, by the way. Um, People keep saying that, and he just keeps winning. Well, he was one loss away from being in hot water. Three losses at Ohio State is hot water. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was a touchdown away. He was a Rose Bowl loss away, and that was close, from being in legit hot water. I mean – Got it done. He got got rid of his defensive coordinator, though. I know. Um, yeah, and he hired and, a guy with 35 years of experience who's going to call the defense. Right, right. But I'm telling you, you lo- I watched the press conference when he was introduced, oh, yeah. and and Gene Smith patted <laughs> him on the shoulder and said, "We expect to win them all, all of them." That was crazy. That was ins- yeah. That was that was yeah. All of them. Three losses. All of them. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's fun. It's At any rate, yeah, it was. That was a fascinating moment for sure. Interesting to hear Whipple. I just think it's one of the things about this and, and, and we can wrap it up shortly here. I think it's interesting to just watch the pieces come together. Um, you know, like the, the coaching pieces, you know, like when we talked to these guys in December, like when we talked to Whipple, December 15th, we talked to Whipple and Mickey Joseph um, and one other Don, uh, Don, Donovan Rail, I guess. And they didn't know each other. You know, like they've all met each other like the week before um, and, and, and Mickey and, and Whipple had maybe been out recruiting a day or two together. And then uh, on the first day of spring ball, they kind of walked in together. They're, they're cracking jokes like they, you know, they've had a couple months of watching film and all of that. And now like Whipple's up there talking about, oh, yeah, Chins gave us some good looks on blitzes. And it's, it's very it's a fascinating just sort oh, of fascinating Park. to watch the whole, yeah. the whole, uh, you know, like Doe try to pull together for lack of a better analogy. It just, it's unclear if it's all going to work, obviously. Um, but it's pretty darn interesting watching the process unfold. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask a question that would frustrate you. It's not really a question. It's a question statement, but how, how fascinating would it be tomorrow if we could watch that scrimmage? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My God. I know. I know. I, I so if anybody else, that. if anybody out there who is going to the scrimmage that can go to the scrimmage, former players, uh, if you got like the Periscope stream or whatever, you know, hit me up. I won't say anything. Yeah, hit us, hit us. We'll see, we'll we'll see some of it. <laughs> Facetime. Um, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on this. It's not hard, but you know, as frustrating as that is, this stuff is. I find it very easy to write about yeah. because it's really interesting. 
It's it's a really interesting period, you know. And the guys so, that have and the guys that have are back, right? Like most of them have big projects too. That's the thing about it. Like it's not just an offensive conversation. Like Travis Fisher has seven new scholarship guys in his room. You know, even Sean, Sean Beckton is trying to replace a Big Ten tight end of the year, and he's trying to get a lot out of Thomas Fedoni early in his career, like one of the biggest recruits Nebraska's had in the past several years. Um, you know, Mike Dawson has a big challenge on his hands. We talked about yeah. that um, the last couple of weeks about the offensive interior and all of that. Like, it's all – you know, Bill Bush trying to engineer an entire special teams turnaround. Well, yes, yeah, he has a new punter and a new place kicker. I mean, right. And a new return man and a new yeah. return man. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when I think, when I get a little nervous, Parker, like, whoa, man, what are we going to write about now? I've, come on. I mean, it can't be that hard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think people like reading, readers, viewers, listeners, consumers of our content shouldn't um, miss – can like misconstrue or conflate interest and enthusiasm for covering something that's really interesting with um, like Ex- expectation of success. expectations that of that, that's going right. to work. Yeah, it's fascinating. No, I have open no mind. idea. I have no idea if it's going to work. No, you know, open like minded. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They might be good. They not. might not be. I have no idea. It's hard. It's right. I'm, how could right. you say right now, given all the things that have changed? No, I know I'm really open-minded. I'm, I probably trend towards skeptical more than anything. I, because of, because these changes are massive. There's and not so much even in the coaching realm. They're they're counting on a lot of new faces. Sixteen new scholarship guys at spring camp. A lot has to pull together, and you have to keep in mind they're in the maybe the best league in the country, and and we all pretty much agree. I think it's the best coached league in the country. So you got to, I mean, nobody's, I mean, a lot of these other coaches are working in systems that are, are well-established, particularly in your division, you know, with, with Wisconsin and Iowa, they're not making changes. Iowa's tape in 2021 looks like it much like it did in 2011. I mean, the, in Wisconsin, probably, I think you'd say probably the same thing, maybe not 211, but um, whatever. They're not, they're not making radical changes. I mean, so, in 2011, they were running a 3-4, and Paul Christ was their offensive coordinator. So, See, there you go. Thank you, Parker. So, yeah, I uh, – Minnesota changed coordinators, and the guy they hired was the guy who was there when they built the offensive system that they've been running, basically. So I, I, I always try – like, that's a big-picture discussion, but I always try to hammer that home. You are competing against these, these teams right in your division with established systems and you have blown up a lot of your system yeah, um, on offense or, or a share of it. And uh, for sure you have these new faces at the, on the coaching staff, including a new offensive coordinator. So that's what you're battling. Think about Northwestern. They lost their defensive coordinator, Hankwitz, and it hurt them last year. But I mean, this is, this is Fitzgerald for 14 years, right? Um, even now you'd start to say Purdue, I mean, there's continuity at Purdue, and, and it's showing. You can't tell me that Nebraska has any sort of edge at this point on Purdue. No. I mean – Right, right. Why would you? I mean, yeah. Right. And hasn't Purdue won two of the last three? Yeah. Minnesota, same way. Right in your division, there's these 
established coaches with established systems and you're undergoing this massive undertaking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a big, it's a, so yeah, if I trend towards skeptical, that's why. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be interesting for uh, four, four weeks to the spring game. This, so I guess this sort of is worth pointing out. Um, Nebraska, no spring practice next week. They're on spring break. Uh, and then back to it for uh, three weeks. And then the end of that third week is the spring game on April 9th. So. All right. We're uh, going to wrap this up. Yeah. Friday's uh, practice number six out of 15. They're rolling forward. Um, anything else for the good of the cause? Women's. You have basketball? a story. Yeah. You have a story looking ahead to the, the scrimmage tomorrow. I have a column on Logan Smothers, which is basically about how appealing it is that he says he never considered. In fact, he was asked, Parker, one other thing. It was yeah. really interesting. I was listening to the tape. He was asked the question, a very sort of leading question. When did you decide to return to Nebraska? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. And he said, well, I never considered leaving. Isn't yeah. that, I mean, is that, that's really interesting to me. Just that little bit of that conversation with him yesterday when yep. the question was when did you decide to return right. to nebraska well the answer was i never just i never considered leaving and i'm here for the long haul you know that's what that's what smothers says that's a very appealing answer in this day and age um that he says i'm here i'm this is what i want competition i love it you know yeah yeah so i, I really like the kid he doesn't overstate things he doesn't appear to be an overthinker um and I, that's I, I have a lot of regard for Logan's father yeah he, I so do I I mean he's been yeah I think it's worth remembering like he committed to Frost he verbally committed to Frost before Frost ever coached a game at Nebraska like that's how long even though he's just I mean he's going into his third year in college but he legitimately um commit verbally committed in like June of 2018 uh, before Frost ever coached a game and hasn't, he's, he's not, as you said, he has not wavered on it. He's got as much playing time, essentially he and, and uh, Purdy different skill sets a little bit, but they have roughly the same amount of um, playing experience, similar situations. They both started a game injury situation, have some time in other games, but are mostly unproven and um, I think that's a pretty good – we'll see if Harburg can make a big jump, but but Purdy versus Smothers would be a pretty good uh, pretty good yeah. race for the number two job. Yeah, and I'd say Smothers has a leg up right now because he's available. Yep. Yep, no doubt. Um, yeah, I think that's we'll, – we'll call it there. Uh, women's hoops obviously uh, bowed out in the, in the semis to Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. Selection shows on Sunday, Amy Williams and the crew – um, surely are going dancing. We'll find out Sunday uh, what the seed line and, and, and where they're headed for the quad. I was talking to your partner at the Sip and Sam showdown there, Sipple. Ames, Iowa would be interesting. Iowa State, Iowa, and in uh, in, uh, Nebraska and a little quad there um, in Ames. That would be uh, that'd be an interesting one. That was Sam's. Oh, that would be, cool. that'd be cool. be fascinating. Yeah. You know, Nebraska and Iowa State had quite a history. Um in bas in women's basketball for a period when they were in the same league, obviously, but there were great battles, great battles. Is that when you were on the road on the women's hoops beat? Oh yeah. Used to go to Ames quite a bit, cover those games. Yeah. 
Someday we're going to do an entire podcast that's just stories of you on the road covering women's Well, it was one story that I tell all the time. It's how I, that, that, that Sipples Lost t-shirt came to be. I was young, Parker. I was in my 20s. And I, when I left town, it was, a, it was one of those March days. It was incredibly warm. Like it was 90, 80 degrees. And I, all I had, so all I took in my truck was a, I had a, a tank top and a t-shirt. And I was just had the tank top on driving over there. Hey, you're going, you're going to Ames? Going to Ames, yeah. Yeah, my pickup. And and uh and um I had an old pickup at the time. And then when I came out of the arena in Ames late that night, the ramp going up to the where your where the parking lot was was covered in ice. You could hardly get up the ramp oh. walking, and the wind was blowing about 60 miles an hour, and the temperature had dropped to about 12. I didn't have a coat, <laughs> and, and my truck was in bad shape. And I all I could think was, if this truck dies on the interstate, I'm dying on the interstate. Yeah, I'm uh, done. <laughs> right. It was late right, at night. You know, Stephen M. Simple. Coming back at 1.30 with no coat. Um yeah, it was a disaster. Uh, yeah, it was largely a disaster. But yeah, that was a, uh, yeah. That was so did you, actually, did you actually lose your t-shirt? No, I had, I don't know why. I don't think that, no, I, I had the t-shirt. Got it. But that was the story that spawned. Yeah. Yeah. I saw all I had was a t-shirt and a tank top. Well, if you learn nothing about basketball or football on this podcast, at least you learned that. Yeah. So there you go. Thanks, Parker. Um, you bet. Get right. Get right. Good one. We'll have Baz back full time next week. Obviously, he's just getting back from Indianapolis today. A uh, lot of stuff coming down the pike, both spring football wise and obviously hoops wise. Women still playing. Uh, men in for an interesting few weeks. Uh, so we'll call it there for Sipple. I'm um, Parker. Thanks for listening and watching. We'll talk to you next week.